0: new topic today. It's the introduction to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. This is as we continue through our study in systematic theology. Obviously, it's not a super-duper in-depth study, but at least we can highlight some of the key points on a lot of the major doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm going to start what good way to inter? I thought a good way to introduce this thing is look at some of the. We we'll start with the words used for the Holy Spirit, and as we read through th- these passages, we'll be looking at that and the the re- the reality of the Holy Spirit, because people still out there, not so much within uh, conservative Christianity, but there's folks out there that, uh, you know, have funny ideas about who the Holy Spirit is, let alone what he does. So. Anyway, the, the words used. I'm going to start in the, in the, uh, right off our uh, handout. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word ruach appears 380 times, and the identical Aramaic word nine times, and that's in the book of Daniel. And just a little sub-note on that. Uh, I know you're not going to remember. This is kind of a little obscure point, but years ago, we, it's been years ago now, we went through the uh, book of Daniel you get the chapter 2, 4b, which is the second half of Daniel 2, 4, all the way through chapter 7, verse 28, was written in Aramaic. And then it went back to Hebrew, which is kind of interesting. But uh, what's also kind of interesting, when I did that study, the, the overwhelming majority of the time, the Hebrew word and the Aramaic word were same, virtually the, Virtually the same. So, anyway, just a little extra point. Now, Ruach in the Old Testament, okay? Now, it refers to the Holy Spirit 79 times. And again, uh, you won't want to hang on to that number for the quiz later, but... No, actually, I'm giving you the number because it's an interesting comparison when you see how the words and how the discussion of the Holy Spirit differs in the New Testament. Much more is said about the person of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament than the Old. Okay? Now, let's start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Very familiar verse. And again, when we read these uh, titles and names, uh, or just the word uh, used for the Holy Spirit, obviously we're going to read some verses discussing the Holy Spirit, and we can already kind of get like, that's why I thought this was a good introduction, you kind of get a feel for, the things the Holy Spirit does, because we'll be reading about him, and we'll be getting into these things a lot more as we move into our, deeper into our study of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Genesis 1-2, creation. I'll just start with 1-1, set the context. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of god was moving over the surface of the waters so right right from the get go of the of the of the bible you have the holy spirit mentioned and right there the holy spirit was moving hovering over the face of the deep it shows that he had a, a, a role in the actual creation uh, interesting theories on that which we won't get into today but uh it uh they are, and some of them actually kind of plausible. But I'm one of those kind of guys that I don't like to guess and say, you know what I mean? If it if the Scripture doesn't actually say something, I might throw out an idea, but I want to make sure it's an idea and not, <laughs> you know, what biblical truth. You don't want to, you know, set doctrine on it. Okay, Numbers 11: 23 to 26. And the Lord said to to Moses, Is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Also he gathered seventy men of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him, and he took the Spirit, capital S, who was upon him and and, and placed... Him upon the seventy elders, and it came about that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they did not do it again. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of that name of one was Ildad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered, but had not gone out of the tent, and they prophesied in the camp. So again we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament coming upon certain designated people and the result of that is they spoke they spoke the word of the Lord that becomes important when we get into certain doctrines like being filled with and all that of the Holy the Holy Spirit later in the New Testament again this is all good background and then another one Psalm 51 and there's like I said, there's 79 places we could go, and I just picked three, just to uh, basically get us started. This is an introduction. This isn't going to be our whole lesson on the Holy Spirit, so we, we've got we've got time uh, to to uh, do more. Remember this famous Psalm 51. This is David's Psalm of repentance, and I'll tell you, um, when I read the <clears throat> I know I'm getting a little sidetracked, but I'm always, it's, I'm always struck by this psalm. Um, just you look up there, the, the heading above verse 1 For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And this is one big psalm of repentance that he gave to the choir director to be sung to the whole nation. So his repentance was to the whole nation and to and really to all who followed including us. I mean I mean it's just it's saved through through time. You know, and I think wow. Man, that that's some serious repenting. That's some serious repenting. But anyway, 51 I didn't read the verse yet. 51:11 says, "Do not cast me away from your presence." and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Hmm. We will get into that more later too, but basically there was a little bit different, there was a different economy back then in the Old Testament than the New Testament. Things weren't exactly the same. Gosh, dare I say that word uh, dispensational came from? Do I dare say it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Have you had breakfast yet? No, (laughs) not But, you know, because just recognize that things were a little, God dealt with his people a little bit differently from throughout the ages, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, You can take it up with God later. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. But anyway, that'll come out too once we start talking about the actual ministry of the Holy Spirit to us in, in our day and age and see how it differs, if any at all. Back there, but I'm—I'm I'm quite sure it does. Not in any major form, though. I mean, the, the biblical truth is true. So, refers to the human spirit. This ruach word, Ezra one one. I tried to get a variety of uh, passages to go to and, and books, just to give us all practice finding them. Who's he after? Chronicles. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Just before. Hit Nehemiah Esther back up. <laughs> okay. Ezra 1 1 and, and verse 5, actually. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit, that small s, of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And also put in writing, saying, "Okay, hang on. There should have been another. Well, let's move to verse five. Then the heads of the fathers, there we go. The heads of the fathers of the households of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests of the Levites arose, even every one whose spirit, whose spirit of God had stirred up to do, and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in heaven, which is Jerusalem. Again." the word spirit here refers to the the human spirit not the Holy Spirit so it's the spirit of Cyrus was stirred up and then the then the uh, the Levites you know, Judah Benjamin Levites whose spirit God stirred up they went to rebuild the house in Jerusalem so again the human spirit not the Holy Spirit in this passage that's for the word now give it to Psalm 31 5 Sometimes it's easy to get lost in all these verses being so tucked in so close together here. Psalm 31.5. Probably don't need to do too many more of these. I think the... Psalm 31.5. We're a psalm of complaint. and This is a psalm of David again. Um... Into the, thy hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord God of truth. So that's David saying, "I put my." memory. that what the spirit is, the human spirit—that's your inner man. Okay. Some say I'm not going to bring it up. But anyway, spirit. Some say it's all called the same thing, soul. Others say there's two: a spirit and a soul. Discussion for another day. No matter where you are, that's one of those. Things it doesn't really matter that much, um, as long as there isn't you do you know this physical carcass is not it. And the and the older I get, the more thankful I am of that. That <laughs> this isn't it, you know. There's we've we've got something other. We got that's the eternal part. The the spirit. Some call it the same, the soul. Either or doesn't matter. Well, that's another subject we'll talk about at a later date. And then Psalm thirty-two, two: How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Again, no untruthfulness within yourself. There's your inner man, which is your true man. Quite frankly. your true, the true person is right inside, is in here, and uh, so. That's, and what's in here it usually comes out here. <laughs> so that's where you got to. That's why James says we got to you got to curtail the mouth put a it's like a horse you got to put a leash on the thing okay and while, we're here, while I'm swinging by any Daniel 2 one says this is the Daniel 2 one that's we're still in the Hebrew part of, of Daniel Daniel 2 and the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and in his spirit and his spirit was troubled and his sleep left him get that his spirit his inner person was just tormented by that dream he had if you might remember that dream of the statue that the only thing he could remember was the fact that it was terrible it was awful and it it frightened him that like something bad was going to happen so he wanted it interpreted and that's where god brought daniel on the scene now another use of the word if we back up into proverbs Proverbs 16 it um, here. it is, come back here Proverbs 16 we can see where it actually describe you know kind of uh, coming off the uh, the inner man the concept of it the actual of it this our inner spirit is our inner person um, it also is used sometimes to describe one's attitude <laughs> okay <laughs> which uh, stems from that inner person. All right, so the Proverbs springs out, uh, Proverbs 16, 18, and 19. Whoop, thought that didn't look right. I missed it. I hit Psalm by mistake. Okay, I'm glad they're close. All right. Proverbs 16, 18, and 19 says, Here's a, it's a famous passage. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit, prideful, before stumbling. It is better to be of a humble spirit with a lo- <clears throat> with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Okay so again that inner spirit um, calling for the fact that you have that the, ad, the attitude of haughtiness can, comes out of there so it speaks of that attitude that uh, so and again this one here is just taking pride as opposed to humility again, another way this is another word <clears throat> another way that Ruach is translated and here's where it comes to remove from I save these two for the last because when you move into the New Testament this concept is going to be interesting about the Holy Spirit Ruach is often translated wind As we go back to Genesis 8 it just, it's just the wind itself Remember, this that same word, ruach. But, look okay, here, Noah's been in the ark for a while. But God remembered Noah, and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. So a wind came out there, and the, it blew across the waters, and it's just... Started subsiding after that. And, well, the first I, every time I read this, I kind of pause for a minute. I almost get a little bit, get a little bit of a laugh from it. it. What's not being said here? It's not that God got busy and go, God remember, oh, Noah's out there on that ark. No, that's not what that's not what happened. It's like, oh my goodness, I forgot Noah. No, no. it's just <laughs> that's not what this is saying. That's not what this. That's not what this is saying. <laughs> I mean, kind of. It almost sounds like that. In my, oh my goodness, Noah! <laughs> That—that's not what's going on here. Um, and then Exodus 10. I figure, in this day and age, you know, take humor where you can get it. Exodus 10:13 and 19 says. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord directed an east wind. There it is, on the land and on the day and night, and when the morning came, the east wind brought brought the locusts. Then you move over to verse 19, so the Lord shifted the wind to a very strong west wind, which took up the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not one locust was left in all the territory of Egypt. That's pretty fascinating. Got them all. Got every one of those little critters. <laughs> so those winds are ruach? That's the same word ruach. Ruach is and again, it depends on the context of this sentence or the statement it's in, how you would translate that or what is that referring to the Holy Spirit? Well word again, That's where it any time biblical interpretation, context is king. It really I mean there's a lot of things that go into it, but man, the first of all, make sure we're we got apples and apples and not apples and oranges or grapefruit or something else might be just <clears throat> yeah and um that's that's why you know it's the, called a grammatical historical interpretation you got grammars of extreme importance historical settings of importance and everything is the 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 words the vocabulary you know um is what I'm reading a figure of speech? That can change everything drastically. <laughs> you know, but nobody talks about that much, but there's a lot of figures of speech in here that if you read it, a literal reading of a figure of speech is reading it the way a figure of speech is meant to be understood, see? And if you read it, over-literalize it to where you lose what it's supposed to be telling you, you can, go off, you can go off in a different direction. So there's a lot of little things to consider. Um... I know one of my most valuable study books is called uh, Figures of Speech in the Bible. <laughs> and you usually, you know, nine times out of ten, when I come on a verse, I go, whoa, wait a minute, what's that? If I don't already understand what it means, I go, wait a minute, what's wrong? I'll look it up in that book, sure enough, it's a figure of speech. And then the times that it isn't, sure enough, I need to do more studying. <laughs> Did you have something, Doug? And we're going to that verse when we get into the New Testament. Right. That's exactly why I wanted to bring it up here just as, we, as we're heading in there. But, but that was a good catch. <laughs> okay. And then Psalm 1-4. Very famous psalm. And uh, I'm confident Psalm one was not put there by accident in that position of being the first one. Comparing the righteous from the wicked is what this one does. And verse 4 says, The wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So again, there's that word, ruach, wind. It's also translated breath. Now I'm going to, I'm just going to go to Job on these two for the I'm just uh, we're close to it we're in Psalms we just back up to Job 9 um, for the sake of time Genesis 6.17 you can look up uh, on your own if you want to Job 9.18 says he will not allow me to get my breath but saturates me with bitterness okay so he's just like Man, I can't catch up My breath. You know the kind of the idea, but it's it's breath. And then, uh, Job chapter twelve, verse ten, says, "In whose hand is the life of every living thing, and the breath of all mankind." Interesting. Breath, life. Avi, you stop breathing, you stop living, right? <laughs> the breath of life. <laughs> What's that? LSB uses flesh. Does it? Yeah. Okay. The flesh of man. All right. Moving now to the Greek New Testament. In the Greek New Testament, pneuma, which is the word for spirit, occurs 379 times, of which over 245 refer to the Holy Spirit. See the greater, not only the greater number, but the greater percentage you had um, in Ruach you had uh, it was it appeared 380 times um, but yet 79 times it referred to the Holy Spirit in the New Testament it appears just about the exact same number 379, 380 I mean that's pretty close right but then 245 of the 379 are actually referring to the Holy Spirit so but then too the Holy Spirit and the the ministry of the Holy Spirit has a much greater presence in the New Testament, much greater presence, much more active, Um, at least that we can see and we're told about. The Holy Spirit didn't go to sleep during the Old Testament times, believe me, but uh, it's just more visible now in terms of being spoken of in the New Testament. yes have you been talking to Doug it sounds like you came up I'm, I'm heading there too yeah <laughs> no that's, that's, that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> okay let's look at Numa actually referring to the Holy Spirit I thought now we'll be strictly in the New Testament for a while obviously I'm looking at a Greek New Testament word When, before we get too far in here, "numa," <clears throat> I checked it out. Uh, "Numa" is the Greek word used the overwhelming amount of time for the Old Testament word ruach, just to let you know. So the um, we have a handout on the table. If we bring... <clears throat> okay, Matthew one eighteen. Thank you, Margaret. Matthew 1.18. Here's a passage you'll be hearing more about in days coming, I I would imagine. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Okay? By the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And then, same Matthew 3.11, as for me, John the Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. A verse that we will definitely revisit in days to come. And then verse 16 of of, of um, Matthew 3. And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And then uh, right back down there, and it moved right to Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay? And then. Um, <clears throat> We see the Holy Spirit have spoken of in, in Revelation at the very end, and one thing we won't we don't see a lot of, but we'll be looking at them I'm sure between now and the the end of this study, is the fact that um, Revelation twenty two verse seventeen, the very end it's like at the end of the book, it's like this is Revelation the last last book of the New Testament, last one written. Last book of the Bible, (laughs) okay? There's an invitation, a final invitation given. Like if you read through the whole Bible, you'd come to this, and here's a final invitation. And it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, come. Um, And let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. So here we are again. The Holy Spirit speaks. on be, uh, We have the words of the Holy Spirit along with the, the bride, the church, saying, Come. Come. Just come. All who want, come. Hey, doesn't it remind you of Jesus? Come unto me, all you are laden. You know, weary and heavy laden. Right? My yoke is easy. Right? Come. Hey, follow me. You people have been beaten down by legalism. Hey, just... All you gotta do is you gotta believe. That's it. Believe, (laughs) you know. And uh, so anyway, come. It's also that same word, pneuma is also used of demonic spirits. So they gotta really be careful how you're uh, (laughs) translating and uh, applying these passages to. Although it's pretty obvious when you get to the the, our the demon folk. Matthew uh, 8, 16 says, And when even have come, they, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were ill. So there we have again we see the power of Jesus, that he had power not only over sickness and death, but over the demonic world too. And then again they referred to as spirits and chased them out. And then we move forward to Mark chapter 123. In Mark, it says, "And just then there was there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Remember that passage we went to. That was, uh, and then uh, you matter of fact, we can read the whole thing, twenty three through twenty seven. Thus saying, what what do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are." The Holy One of God, I guess that's the ultimate left-handed compliment. A demon is saying this. But see, the demons, remember, remember what demons are? Fallen angels. Right? And before and before they were fallen, and even after, they know exactly who Jesus is. They know exactly that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. They know exactly who Jesus is, they are not confused but they know exactly where they're going. And that's why they said, have you come to destroy us? And another passage says, have you come to judge us before our time? They know that they have a time that's out there that they're going to be judged. Okay, and so they're questioning that. Anyway, verse 25, and Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Exclamation point. And throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. And then, and they were all amazed, so they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Well, you you read through the Gospels, like this chapter 1, you don't have to get far into them to find out where Jesus, as the old saying goes, just blew their minds. Just <laughs> c- could not believe the power that that he portrayed, that he put out there. I mean, it just, it was obvious. You know, and that's what, to me, that just shows you the power of unbelief. I mean, they—they they, at certain times, they'd say, you know, no man teaches like this man. No man does the things this man does. But yet, the majority rejected him, knowing that, you know, and they said, is this the prophet? Is this the one? Is it? But yet, they were... Dissuaded by the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests and the majority of them to not believe. And that's what led Jesus one day to weep over the city and, and just, or the, lament the city and say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So often, I would have gathered you like a hand gathered, but you just wouldn't. You refused. And in 311, and whenever the unclean spirits beheld him, they would fall down before him and cry out saying, you are the son of God. And we'll just keep moving. I think we know that. This, this, this word is also used, but not very often, but it's also used of the elect angels. And we call them elect angels. At, to, uh, they're often called elect angels. Primarily, uh, they're <clears throat> um, <clears throat> part of God's group they're, as opposed to the ones that fell. <laughs> okay, We'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 says, uh, But to which of the angels... Has he ever said, sit, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not, speaking of angels again, are they not all ministering spirits, speaking of the angels, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And yeah, they, they, um, <clears throat> this is one of those passages where, they, where people uh, develop the doctrine of guardian angels. They are out here doing things for and with the church mostly unknown, you know? I mean, it later in Hebrews says, you might be careful who you're talking to. You might be entertaining angels unaware, you know? And just think about, what it's going to be in one of the readings coming up this month, because we we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke in our readings. And remember, Zacharias, when Gabriel told him something, Zacharias doubted. He couldn't speak until everything Zacharias told him came to pass. Okay, so... I just said, yeah, but you don't want to go crazy about this either. Is that an, you know, don't want to get paranoid about it either. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, it's like everything else. We want to keep a balance. We want to keep a balance in everything we do, you know. Um, okay. Now, <clears throat> again, it's used in the New Testament also of the human spirit. In the, it's used in the exact same way where I'm in Hebrews. Let me... Uh, well, let the close, let's look at James 2. Uh, I'm not going to look at all these passages because we're just running short of time. But James 2.26. And again, in, in that sense, uh, we did it so many in the Old Testament, it's going to be the same, same idea here. 2.26 says, For just as the body without the spirit, the inner human spirit is dead, so faith without... Works is dead. So in other words, like you know, you know what death basically means—separation. When the inner man separates from the carcass, that's death, and life goes out of it. Breath, breathing stops, and we read that in the Old Testament: the breath. So uh, <clears throat> it's all—it's all very consistent. You see, all these other passages are saying the the, the exact same thing. Um, you know the human spirit I don't think we need to beat that one to death I think we've all got that's pretty easy and then the reality of the Holy Spirit you know <clears throat> I almost, I kind of thought that first group might be enough for today but anyway um, but the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and this is something I believe you all know anyway but the the holy the Holy Spirit is a person as opposed to a force or concept and I have an extra there are more handouts there if you'd like one uh, right there um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture as possessing three basic characteristics of personhood which are intellect will and emotion okay <clears throat> now intellect according to Isaiah 11 2 we won't we won't turn to all these but Isaiah 11 2 Isaiah 11 it talks about the um, it's one of those that talks about the, the future kingdom where Messiah that's Christ, will be on the throne and the Holy Spirit will give to him impart to him wisdom, understanding and knowledge you can read that right from Isaiah eleven two. 2. Uh, scripture also points out the fact that the Holy Spirit possesses a mind the mind of the spirit, Romans 8.27 we don't need to look there, that's what it says in Romans 8.27 one thing I would like to look at is Acts Chapter 1, where the Holy Spirit inspired Scripture. <clears throat> Acts 1.16, they're in the upper room, they're waiting, actually they're waiting for the Holy Spirit to arrive, and um, <clears throat> verse 16, I got a battery charge We're light up. out there, don't you worry about i got you covered. I'm not the one who has to worry this morning. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's got 100 it got hundred hours Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Keep her charge, You never know. Okay, Acts one sixteen says, Brethren, Peter speaking, the scripture has to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who has become a guide to those who are or, who arrested Jesus. Again, the scripture, yeah, right fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David. You know, and we know we have other passages. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter two, where David, being a pro- David, is called a prophet, speaking the word of God. But that's a, another issue for another time too. Remember, when we've dealt with that in the past, when we did the Bible, Bibliology, the uh, you know inspiration, authority of Scripture, um, <clears throat> very clear. Second Peter one. Here's the uh, Uh, this is like one of the key verses for the uh, inspiration of scripture it's not the only one there's a bunch more but this is one of those key ones and I'll pick it up in verse 20 to set the context but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation in other words we don't have a right to read anything in the Bible and say well I think it means this or I don't like what it means there so we don't have a right to pick and choose or, or make up our own stuff, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Okay, this is that's why messing with Scripture is such a sore point with me. It, it, can't do it, cannot do it. And then the Holy Spirit teaches. Let's see, 1 Corinthians. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.13. That's the closest one to us. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual... Well, it says thoughts in italics, in mind, with spiritual words. But basically combining the spiritual with spiritual... Um, which is in essence that which again we'll get into that more when we start like one of the uh, functions of the Holy Spirit is illumination making the scripture understandable to us, the Holy Spirit causes that to happen <clears throat> that, there's a loop lu- after salvation it began to make I mean I've been reading scripture for <laughs> years and, and then after Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And see that's where the see, it, Was it John seventeen that says that Spirit leads us into all truth? No. 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 If 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 we believe something is wrong, we did that on our own. <laughs> don't don't blame don't blame it on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay? okay. Holy Spirit exercises his will. Well, he contends with sinners, and let's look at Acts. I mean, you know Genesis six. I will not always the spirit of God will not always contend with men, right? Remember that one, just prior to the whole incident of the flood taking place. Acts seven fifty one. Stephen, one of my matter of fact, I this is the man I named my youngest son after. Stephen is speaking, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears and are always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. The Holy Spirit, they resist. Push. You see the fight. Push, pull, push, pull. The easiest way, the way they resist, quite frankly, is reject this word. Remember, the Spirit of God is the one who bought this word. And... In the same way, we're here in Acts, he directs the affairs of men. Uh, Acts eight thirty nine and 40. The, you, he directs in the affairs of men. Now this one, this first one is the direct approach. Were Acts 39 9, says, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at, his, at, at Azotus, and he passed through the, and kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Oh, yeah, that's, the direct, that's direct intervention. Yeah. Like, Philip came up out of the water, and gone, see you. <laughs> you know? Oh, it continues, like, where am I? Yeah, you know, I I I think that's that's I love that. That's that's good. I mean, you know, I thought of that too. Like, well, seeing that I'm here, <laughs> I I I, I kind of think it might be a little deeper than that. That he kind of these these guys knew things. I mean, <laughs> but no, I think it's great that that's what he. Well, he knew his calling. Wherever he is, go for it. Okay, that's Philip the evangelist. And then in Acts 16, 6-10, to 10, a a less direct approach, but nonetheless a, a direct approach. 16, 6-10 through 10 says, and this is Paul's uh, team on their, on their, I believe it's the second journey. And they pass through the Phygrian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, speak the word angel. There it is, directs. Holy Spirit forbid them to go, then He created Circumstance for them not to go, he forbid it, and when they came to Mysia, excuse me, Mysia, they were <clears throat> they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and <clears throat> and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a certain man of Macedonia was standing and in, 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 in appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia, and help us. And when he had seen the vision. Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Good deduction. Wouldn't let us go here, wouldn't let us go there, wouldn't let us go here, brought us down to here, and said, give him a vision, hey, come here. Oh, okay, I think he wants us there. Good deduction. Sound reasoning, right? (laughs) Sound reasoning. Okay, and I'm glad in our day we don't have to function like that, waiting for that kind of stuff to happen to us. Okay, and things have changed. Acts is a very unique period of time. So uh, we will get into that, especially when we get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But speaking of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that the Holy Spirit is the one who distributes the gifts. And I'll just... I mean, that we're we're okay. I mean fourteen. Twelve, getting closer. Okay, twelve eleven. First Corinthians twelve eleven. But one and the same spirit, capital S works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. And the whole discussion in chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts. I mean, you just only have to back up to verse 10, you can see that. Okay, that all these gifts, but whatever you got, is what the Holy Spirit gave you. You're not going to get any more, you're not going to get any less. It's whatever He gifted you to do, you have the means to do it, but we'll get into that when we get there. Um. And the Holy Spirit, and this is the one that uh, Doug was talking about, and the uh, Holy Spirit regenerates, John 3, 5 through 8, John chapter 3, and here's where some of the Old Testament passages and New Testament we read about, you know, like Ruach in the Old Testament being translated wind and breath and so forth. Um, John 3, 5-8, to 8, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, remember Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Now here, the wind, Numa, blows where it wishes. Now here, the wind is also an analogy of the Holy Spirit, okay? Remember, the wind is being, here's describing the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, and where is it going? So, everyone who is born of the Spirit. See, you must be born of water, and the Spirit And if you're born of this, then the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit acts, is just like the wind. You don't know where the wind comes from. You don't necessarily know where it's going. But it happens. And that's salvation. It happens. Regeneration is a is a work of God. Um, Titus. I just saw Timothy, where'd Titus go? His little the leave creed where would it go oh there it is my goodness what's wrong with me Yes, yeah. thankfully it didn't move my little tab disappeared okay Titus 3.5 he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit regenerates he is the one that renews we're Running a little late, um, <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit has emotion. He can be grieved, which we will be dealing with in later subjects. He can be insulted, which we will be dealing with. He also loves, which we will also deal with, and we won't turn there. But in John 16, which was referred to earlier a little bit by by uh, Jackie. The Holy Spirit is referred to with personal pronouns like he, him, not again, the Holy Spirit is not some concept or a force. May the force be with you. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. That's not He is a force, but you know, he's much more than that. He's He's the third person of the blessed Trinity and therefore again, we need to keep that in mind when we we speak of him. And that's why, you know, uh, and we'll talk. I know some have questions, but I will talk. One of the subjects we'll deal with later is the blasphemy of the, against the Holy Spirit. So, because that can give you, but anyway, I need to, I really do need to close it. they will come with the hook, you know. Heavenly Father, we again, Lord, we thank you for this time together, and we do thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us in more ways than we even know. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.